Welcome back to the Brilliant Perspectives podcast. I'm your host, Jaylen Bowden, here with you for another episode of Learning Powered by the Heart. This month, we've been learning all about expectation and what it means to have a confident assurance in God's promises. A huge part of that process is understanding what God is really, truly like. And when we can receive his deep love and affection for us, that's when we begin to see our situations through his eyes. And hey, today's clip comes directly from one of our mentoring series on BrilliantTV.com, which is our online community designed to help you learn how to apply the kingdom way of life to your everyday circumstances. Now, without further ado, let's jump in with Graham Cook. The thing I love about the Lord is everything He does is totally intentional. So like He would definitely put a promise next to a problem. He would definitely make sure that every problem came with its own provision attached, because that's how He thinks. And so it's logical therefore for us to assume that He always speaks promises into our places of uncertainty. He knows who you are. He knows your frame. He knows what you're going through. He knows what you're facing. He knows what's tough for you right now. And he always puts, he always puts blessing next to a crisis. He always puts promises in your places of uncertainty. Because he speaks to those places. Because he always wants to raise the low places up to a higher place of faith, of love, experience, encounter. He's always willing to provide us with something to create trust and stimulate faith in Him. When you're following a promise, though, you can't dictate how it will be fulfilled. You can't advance the timing on some things. You can only continually respond to the one who made it. And I think the best response is, be it unto me according to your word. It's a great confession because it kickstarts the process of trusting who God is. Here's an important key in that, that the trust describes the promise. It doesn't prescribe the provision. God will just give you a promise. He won't tell you hardly anything about the provision. Because the promise is everything. And because He wants you to focus on the promise above all else. Above all your circumstances. Above what you think you need and everything else. The enemy always wants to divert us from relationship onto our circumstances. Pull your face away from who Jesus is and start looking at what's going on around your life. Start looking at who you're not. God gives us promises because promises are relational. A promise is not circumstantial. God doesn't give a promise to your circumstances. He gives it to you. He gives it to you as a guarantee of this is what I'm going to be for you. This is who I am right now. 
My favorite question of all time is, Lord, what is it you want to be for me now that this is happening that you couldn't be at any other time? Thank you so much for this problem. What is it you want to be for me? Who do you want to be for me in this? I love that question because it opens up my heart. Promise is designed to create fellowship and build relationship and trust. For the enemy to negate your promise, he has to shift your attention off the promise onto your circumstances or onto your provision. He wants you to understand how difficult your life really is. And Jesus wants you to understand that you're not much of a challenge. Jesus wants you to understand how easy your life can be. The world locks us in to difficulty, to chaos. That's why the news is almost always bad. And we get driven by that mindset. We are conditioned to think that everything's going to be hard. But Jesus said, come to me, those who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. I'll teach you how to live in a place of peace above all that. You'll find peace for your soul, rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He's only looking after 7.3 billion people. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Your life is not tough for God. Because He knows what He can do. I dearly want us to come to a place of magnificence in our life, where magnificence is a tangible thing to you, like it was with Caleb. You become a man and a woman of a different spirit. Caleb looked at a giant and was so excited. God just looked at him and thought, I love that boy. I love, I'm keeping him around. There's something about you that's irresistible to him. There's something about your situation that's irresistible to him also. When we take our eyes off the promise, we either put it on our circumstances and see the difficulty of it, or if we're not doing that, we're speculating about what the provision could be. <clears throat> you can get into that place of fantasizing about what the provision could look like, and you fantasize so much, you don't have faith for it. It's almost like you talk yourself into it. it's going to be something big, then when it doesn't come, and it doesn't come, and it doesn't come, that speculation takes you into a place of unbelief. When's it going to happen? I thought it would be here by now. And suddenly you get impatient. Why? Because... You just took your eyes off the promise, and the promise is everything. 
And when you start to think about your circumstances or what God's provision can look like, you're not looking at Him in that moment of time. You took your eyes off the real prize because the real prize of a promise is relationship. It's you understanding, it's you finding a more secure place in the affections of God. And what happens when you get away from the promise is that your faith starts to dissipate. Some situations are going to be a fight, and you're going to need faith with patience. That's a brilliant contrast. You're going to need faith with patience. Faith says, it's mine. Patience says, it's almost here. I don't know why patience has got such a bad rap in the church. Dude, what are you learning right now? I'm learning to be patient. <sighs> and it's like you look at me and think, it's not going well then, is it? <laughs> what if patience is exciting? What if faith and patience together are an amazing, brilliant opportunity to step into a place of being totally carefree in God? What if? I like patience. Not always saying that I am patient, but I'm learning to like it more and more. I think patience is the best stress remover. It's designed to completely relax you and push you into a peaceful waiting on God with a big smile. I think patience is designed to make you grin when you're under pressure. Yeah, I'm just waiting. Nothing you can do about it. I'm waiting. Happy to wait. Not under pressure. Happy to wait. Got my faith here. Got my coffee there. Got patience in here. I'm sweet. Go find somebody else to trouble. Because if you stick around here, I'll start troubling you. And then negative emotions creep in when you lose sight of the promise. We get frustrated, we get tired. You start developing theories about why things are not happening. Or is that just me? And then doubt is this slow, insidious slide into negativity and fear. When you let go of the promise, it's because you lose sight of God's nature, because the promise is designed to show you who God is for you right now. And then trust becomes a casualty, and our circumstances are ruling us. A promise gives you a stance in your circumstance. It tells you what to be occupied with. You know, Israel in the wilderness is a good example of a people losing focus. They received a promise about Canaan while they were still in captivity in Egypt. God said, I will deliver you. 
I will bring you out and I will take you to another land and I will give it to you. And it's a land flowing with milk and honey. Promise. I'll take you out of this. I'll get you across that. I'll take you into that place and it's totally yours. A whole new land. All yours. Promise. And then he backs it up. He backs it up. Because all these plagues come onto Egypt, but none of them affect Canaan. And they're right next door. They're living next door. All these plagues come here because God wants to bring down every household God in Egypt. He's not just content with releasing people from bondage. He wants to kick the enemy right where it hurts. And so he takes out every household God in Egypt. And all the plagues, not one of them, touching Israel. How do you control millions of flies and frogs? <laughs> Your next door neighbors are inundated with insects and frogs. But not one of them comes on your property. That's a flipping miracle. <laughs> I mean, selective infestation. <laughs> That's outrageous. Not one of those plagues comes near Israel. They're right next door. Evidence. And then they come out. And Egypt is so fed up with them, they're giving them money to go, here's my credit card, take my Rolex. And they come out with enough cash to kickstart their own economy. Wealthiest slaves in existence. <laughs> Miracle. And then they get to the Red Sea and the, the enemy's coming behind and there's water in front. There's an enemy bent on their destruction and this could all end right now. Except, you know, God says to Mo, Mo, just lift your hand out. Just lift your hand out and pray. Don't cry to me. Speak to the sea. What? You want me to speak to my circumstances? Seriously? Yeah, and get a move on. And then suddenly, waters start piling up. And everyone's looking at each other. It's like, Dude, this is like some amazing epic movie. <laughs> I, I know. And so this wind comes and blows out all the, you know, dries up all the seafloor. And, and so they start going across and the enemy comes in. And the promise is, the enemy that you see today, you won't see them again forever. And then, so, so then the sea does what it's told. Incredible deliverance. Israel's making songs about it. They've got all their version of Jonathan and Melissa Helsers all making songs. <laughs> then they get out in the wilderness and they lose sight of the promise. I mean, they've got like cloud by day, pillar of fire at night. You know, like you do. <laughs> Going to work. Pillar of, yes. Oh, that, that's just Jesus and me. He's following me right now. All of these signs and wonders, but they lost sight of the promise and they started grumbling. A second time, they, he had, Moses had to strike water from the rock because they were grumbling about being thirsty. All the way through that whole journey, 
Their eyes were always on their circumstances, never on the promise. And he got to a point where they let go of the promise to such a degree that they lost their inheritance. The promise is everything to God. When God promises you something, everything that is in Him is in that promise. That promise is, this is where you can relate to me. You study the promise because you'll find me and who I want to be for you. It's the promise that tests the quality of your trust in God. Because here's the key thing about God is he's he's not just going to give us stuff. He wants to teach us how to live by faith. He wants to teach us how to trust. And when you trust the Lord, there is no grumbling. There is no complaining. There is no speculating. I trust him. That's it. I don't know how it's going to work out. You know what? I don't even need to know. I trust him. I have this promise and this is enough.